The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, before we start this episode, I just wanted to mention to those of you who, you know, you keep your notes in a notebook, like maybe you journal, maybe you just do your brainstorming, or if you're in a meeting, or if you're watching a Zoom, or if you're learning something, or even listening to a podcast. I mean, I do this anyways. I write down notes. That's how I think. It's how I stay focused. So I'm always buying blank notebooks. Well, as you know, we have the Push Journal. And the Push Journal is the journal that I created for people who are easily distracted, whether you're a mom or a business owner or a college student, it doesn't matter. The Push Journal is just a super easy way to, you know, keep yourself organized. However, because I'm constantly going through blank notebooks, I'm like, why don't we create really cool, super cute notebooks that are exactly the same size, but just all blank pages? And voila, that's what we've done. And they are now available. The covers are awesome, created by my incredibly talented graphic designing daughter, Sierra. And of course, with your input by, you know, giving me your feedback on Instagram. Anyways, they are available today. And I mentioned that because in this interview today with Danette May, she shared with me a morning routine. Now, listen, I've always loved the idea of journaling. I've just never done it. I never really knew like where to start or what to journal about. Well, Danette shared with me in this interview that you're about to hear this practice that she calls soul writing. And I've started doing this in my blank notebook. And I think you're going to love this idea if you're someone who's also wanted to journal, but it felt like a lot of pressure. She offers a really simple practice that can 10x your happiness. It's super easy. It only takes a couple of minutes, even less than that if you'd like. And if you need a blank notebook to make this happen, you can now find them by going to pushjournal.com. Four new blank notebooks, limited quantities. You can literally allow the podcast to keep playing and you can open up your internet browser or even just click on the link in our show notes that takes you to pushjournal.com and pick up a notebook to start soul writing yourself. All right, off to the episode. Well, I'm super excited today to be speaking to one of my favorite people. She is a high-performance coach. She's a mentor to millions. She's helped millions of people with their fitness and nutrition, which is important, but I really think what's so special about Danette May, who's my guest today, is her devotion, her passion, her drive, not just to help Mother Earth and humanity, but to help people who are just like you to step into who they are, who they were meant to be, and to really live a happier, healthier, fuller life. Through her coaching programs, her nutritional products, she's helped to transform the lives of millions. She happens to be the co-founder of Mindful Health as well as Earth Eco Foods. Danette is also the best-selling author of the book Rise. Her latest book is what we'll be talking a little bit about today, which is Embrace Abundance. And abundance is really central to what it is I teach and what I believe. And I think it's one of the reasons why so many people struggle is because they really don't understand how to manifest abundance. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. The other thing I love about Danae, and I just have to tell you this because she's a personal friend, is she's like real. Like, you know, you meet lots of people who 
they put on a good front and they look a certain way in social media and then you meet them in real life and you're like, wow, they're just like not even there. Danette <laughs> is one of the like most present, fun, goofy, loving, woo-woo people I've ever met. And, and your girl, like I am not exactly woo-woo, but if anyone can convince me of the power of, you know, just really connecting with the universe and your spirituality and, and earth, it is this incredible entrepreneur, wife, and mother of two, my friend, Danette May. Danette, thanks for being here. Wow, that was so, you're awesome. And I feel the same way about you. Literally, like I've been able to hang out with you in a really natural setting. And I'm like, God, that girl. And I just grow to love you more and more because I feel like you're just, you come from a true sense of helping so many people. Hence your Aww. podcast. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. yeah, we've done some cool things together. And I really do love the way that we were connected is through our publisher initially. And I had no idea who you were. And like from the very first minute we started chatting, I'm like, wow, we really are on the same wavelength in terms of our mission for the world. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I learned about this latest mission that you're on to kind of help people understand abundance, that is something my, I don't just mean my audience, I think people in general struggle with abundance. And I wondered if we could start with just kind of talking about how the environment that you were raised in, I've noticed, like just amongst my friends or people that I've met, that that has a lot to do with how you, your mind sees like abundance or scarcity. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. Like I literally, this book is just a culmination of everything that I've done and worked on and then helped other people do because I came from a family where especially finances. Like we just grew up with not a lot of finances and we didn't even go out to eat. Like that's the type of finances that we had. We didn't go out Mm -hmm. to eat. We didn't go on vacation. Our form of vacation was floating down the river or going camping. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. But the thing with abundance and financially with my family was that it kind of was spinned that those who had a lot of money were selfish, were had egotistical, not good people. And so Financial abundance was one that I really had to rewire that story that good people make good money. And, you know, along with all sorts of different modalities, because to me, abundance is way more than just financial. It's health, it's relationships, it's doing things that light you up. It's that inner peace. Plus it's financial and plus it's your career and doing something that you're passionate about. So some of the things that I often will hear people say that their parents said that they didn't even realize shaped their mindset around scarcity or abundance, especially when it comes to finances, are things like money doesn't grow in trees, or what do you think we're made of money, or things like more money, more problems. We can't afford that. What kinds of things did your parents say? (laughs) I love those. Okay, I think they said all of them, but I remember going off to college. And, you know, you have your car full packed with all your stuff. And you have no money. <laughs> right. And right. my dad said to me, you're as rich as now that you're ever going to be. And what he meant by that is that you're always going to be chasing hmm. and just know that this is as good as it's going to get. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I remember when I got married for the first time, once again, broke as a joke, all our stuff in a car. And he was like, yeah, this is as good as it gets. And I was like, Okay. (laughs) But that was how he sees the world, which is totally fine. But that's not how I chose to see the world. But initially, you know, before we realize like our parents have done a number on us, whether they meant to or not, like sometimes it's inadvertently, right? Like my dad definitely taught me some really positive money mindsets and an abundance mindset. And there are some things that I just as a child interpreted in my own way. 
and I put a negative spin on something maybe that was positive, you just do, right? So I'm wondering in the first part of your life, before you kind of recognized and had the self-awareness, what kinds of things did you do that today you look back on and go, I was definitely self-sabotaging because I had the subconscious belief? Oh, I would say almost every area of my life, honestly, like I was like the girl that was maybe 10, 12, 14 years ago is not even the same girl that people look at today Mm. at all. As far as how she shows up, how she dresses, her religious practices, her belief systems around money, being a mom, working a job. I mean, I'm talking almost every area had to be flipped on its head Mm. for me to be the woman I am today. Can you think of like something specific where you're like, you know, looking back at it now, that's because of my belief that I did X. Oh yeah. Okay. So I had lots of judgment too. So if you have a lot of judgment, like I did, it's usually it's just because it's a reflection of your judgment of yourself. So for Mm -hmm. me, it was a judgment. Okay. So I had this belief system. One, if you get married, you stay married no matter what, I don't care how through thick and thin. And that's really how I was raised. And I think there's a greatness to that, but it was also super destructive for me because I was in a really toxic relationship and I kept letting it go. Even though I knew year one, I need to go like, this is not the right thing. I stayed 10 years, 10 years because of it until it was just unbearable. And actually when I lost my son, I think I just started to go, I don't even care at this point. Like, mm. I'm just going to live for me. Like, I've hit my rock bottom. And it was a gift disguised for me. So that was a belief system that I thought that no good person ever got divorced. I also, mm. yeah, like, and I think that's hard, right? Because some of us get divorced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what does that say about you? Or maybe even worse yet, the people who, like you said, it's a toxic relationship or worse. It's a deadly relationship. It's an abusive relationship. It's a relationship that's really bad for your kids and people are staying because we have these beliefs, right? Like staying through thick and thin is one thing, staying through thick and abusive and or dangerous is something completely separate. And when our subconscious mind tells us, but if you do other than this, you're bad, that's really hard to battle. Yeah, totally. And also there was a belief from my grandpa, which I don't even think any of my parents or my grandpa meant bad by this, but I just remember writing a college paper around this. He wrote, he would tell us good things happen to good people. And so if you grow up with that thought and then life throws its curveballs, which it's going to do. Yeah. For me was losing my son. Like I was all of a sudden really sick in my body all the time, which my body was just trying to communicate about my life, I started going, wow, am I a bad person? Like, really, this was my thought process, like 14 years ago, am I a bad person? Because there's a lot of bad things happening to me. Mm. And I think that, you know, you never know what you're being programmed with, or what's really like sticking in your cells. And so it's an opportunity to look at these things. If you're looking at a life that you're living right now, and you're going, God, that's not really in alignment with something that's a dream in my heart. Just look at the belief system behind it because you might uncover something that you don't even realize you're kind of holding on to that you're like, actually, that's not true. And actually, that doesn't serve me. And I get to flip that story. You know, you wrote about the loss of your son in your first book, Rise. I'm not even sure if that's your first book. First book I read anyways. And it was really so heartfelt and gut-wrenching. I felt like I was there with you. That book really talks about like, you know, kind of the gift, right? And mm-hmm. understanding how to, to rise from something like that. What was your inspiration behind 
writing about abundance? Yeah. So actually, Hay House came back to me. I wasn't planning on writing another book. I was, as you know, because you lost your mind, you lost your ever loving mind. Haven't I told you never write? I know it's like having a child, right? After you give birth, you're like, oh, they're so cute. It is honestly hard because, you know, I think Shaleen can relate to this. And a lot of you that have written programs or written a book, written a lot of programs, digital programs, and I don't know what it is about a hardcover book with a publishing company, but it feels something about it. <laughs> I can't even really. It's like writing it, a midterm paper that is never done. It's a term paper right? that's never done. And it just takes so much out of you and it's vulnerable and it's you work really hard on it and you're not getting paid for it. It's a really interesting journey. <laughs> But it so, is good for self-reflection. I, I have said that, that <laughs> as painful as it, and not everyone has this experience. Some people have an amazing experience. I've talked to people who are like, oh, that's all I want to do is write books. I'm like, wow. And there are people who all they want to do is crunch numbers. You know what I mean? Like to totally, each their own. Totally. But I have heard from even people who say it was painful that the self-reflection and the processing that comes from it is like worth it. Well, it literally is like birthing a baby because when they came to me, I wasn't in the process to write another book, but it felt because it was right before the pandemic hit. And once, and I hadn't made quite the decision yet. And then this happened and I was like, it's time. Mm. And I really wanted to write a book around hope and really share like ways, simple things, simple things that we all can do. It doesn't mean you have to be connected. doesn't mean you have to have resources. You don't even have to be the brilliant, most brilliant, just simple things you can do to really start to see that abundance is your birthright, that you can actually claim it. Mm. And it's not just for a select few, that it is for everyone. And it's in all different areas. It's not just finances. And to really look at what do you choose for your life, not what you think you should choose based off social media or the news or media or whatnot, so that you're living your juiciest, best life. And so I just, I am grateful I wrote it because I really just wrote it from my heart and really sharing what I could for what's worked for me, what's worked for my clients, different friends that I have. I even put Shaleen in the book because I took a group of people that I really admired and I was like, can you write about a certain subject? Because you're obviously living it and people want to know, what did you do? Where did you get this mindset? And Shaleen wrote about purpose and she's actually in the resource sections of that book, totally free so that you can see like these stories, like what she did and where she got this idea around purpose. So that was really where it came from. And yeah. I was like, just going to give it out to the world. How is a shift different from hope and abundance? Like what is the difference really? Hope and abundance. For me, I think there's people that look at a people that are abundant mm -hmm. and it almost turns off hope. It's like, mm. oh, I have to look like that, or I have to be married to that, or I have to live in this place, or I have to have these friends or these connections. And so it can turn off hope. And I really wanted to turn on the faucet of hope and understand that it's not about all those connections. It's about the little things that you do. And one of my favorite, favorite quotes, and I actually put it as like a title in the rise, which is small hinges move big doors. Love that. Because it's these three things you can personally do that have nothing to do with your external environment that move the needle on you being aware of the abundance that you can claim. When you say you know, some people look at abundance and it intimidates them. Can you take us back to a time when you had that scarcity mindset? Because I think a lot of people will relate to that. 
and yeah. you looked at things that were considered of abundance, right? Like people who had happy, abundant marriages or people who had a lot of comfort, financial security. What would your brain say when you saw that with other people? Was it a fear of it, an intimidation? Did you believe bad things about those people? Or did you just believe that you didn't deserve abundance? Well, I think at the core, I think at the core for all of us is this level of worthiness. Am I worthy to have abundance in this area? Maybe I have this amazing spouse Mm. and this amazing family. Who am I to also want financial abundance if I have this? Mm. And Or there could be just a worthiness depending on the story that was placed subconsciously upon you around am I worthy enough to make this amount of money? Am I worthy enough to be this healthy? You know what? My family hasn't been this healthy. My sibling wasn't very healthy. Maybe there was cancer in your lineage, whatever. And it's really subconscious. You can start to go, who am I? Who am I to be really beautiful and really healthy? And so, yeah, you know, for me, I'll get really vulnerable for me, I've been able to really harness, everybody has a different edge. And so for me, health was an easier one for me to acclaim abundance in. Relationship, after I worked on it, out I got my first one, was an easier one for me to claim. I don't know why that felt easier within me to claim that. My hardest ones was a home. Like I would watch all these people with beautiful homes and attracting beautiful homes, seeing this home on a vision board, cutting it out and getting it. And I would see also before the home was money and then it was a home. And I don't know what it is about a home, but that was my edge. Have you thought about like your past and your childhood and how that might relate? Totally. I'm sure I watch because most subconscious patterning that you get belief systems come from you watching close family members. So it's either your mom, your father, or it can be even aunts and uncles if your family was quite close. So for example, when it comes to weight, like if you had your aunt sitting around talking about being big bone, slow metabolism, when you were five, you subconsciously took that in that you might be big bone, slow metabolism and be destined to be overweight right? So unlayer where these stories came from. I think my mom always wanted a certain home or to remodel a kitchen or to decorate it a certain way. And my father, even though we lived in a decent home, that was frivolous. That wasn't something that we just did because that would mean putting out more expenses that's necessary, right? We have a, totally. we have a sink, we have a fridge, we're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how they thought. So that I think there was some subconscious stuff around living in the home that felt really good for me. You just made me realize, you know, I have always kind of described myself as someone who was raised with an abundant mindset. I've always had this belief that I would live in a beautiful home. I always believed that I would make lots of money, that I I would have an abundant relationship, but not until today, like listening to you and reading through the book, did I realize that I've had a scarcity mindset when it comes to rest, that I didn't believe that I was worthy of rest and not just in terms of money. Like, so that I kind of you know, addressed in therapy when I was dealing with like a work addiction where I just didn't believe I was a valuable person. Like I had no self-worth unless I was making you money. It wasn't even about me making money. It was like, unless I was, you know, helping you financially, I didn't see value in myself. So therefore I had to work like 24 seven to feel valuable. But in our conversation today, what you just said, I realized that I've had that same scarcity mindset when it comes to rest 
and my health and nutrition. Because thinking about like my aunts and my mom, the only time I saw my mom in like really great health physically, emotionally, mentally, all those things is when she was killing herself doing exercise. (laughs) And so it's been a really hard thing for me to wrap my head around. Like even to this day, it's it's getting easier, but I've struggled to take a rest day because it's like if I take a rest day, do I deserve to be healthy? Am I worthy of someone who can call themselves a, a fitness expert? So thank you. Oh, that. that's so juicy. And you know, that's a whole section in the book is around this inner peace and rest. And I wrote about that because for me, you know, I actually fidget a lot. Like I have a hard time slowing down, sitting down. My kids are constantly reminding me like, you actually have a problem. Like you can't just (laughs) sit and relax. Our kids great at telling you, you have an issue, mom. (laughs) I know. And this is all you guys, this is like, this is abundant to be able to relax, to be able to know that you've healed this worthiness part of you, right? That is abundance because if you're not healing that part and you're not stepping into that, which there is a whole section on that. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is part of the inner peace. That is in part of you moving forward in life, not from your wound, but from your power, which a lot of us are moving in our wounding. We have to move because we feel like our worthiness depends on it. Yeah. You know, you talk about manifesting and that's a term that like a lot of people use, you see it in memes, you see it in, you know, TikToks and reels, et cetera. But what does it really mean? And tactically, like from an actionable standpoint, I think we know vaguely understand the concept, but what does that really look like? Manifest is everywhere. And (laughs) absolutely right. I think it started coming out when the secret came out. Yeah. And everybody was like, whoa, this is this idea of the secret. And I do vision boards and I I hold a frequency or I think about it. And then I've got to align with what I want. And it's all true. But what I'm discovering in this idea of abundance and attraction, being the magnet, manifesting whatever language you want to use. And this is what gets me so excited for people to start claiming it is that the frequency that everyone thinks they're striving for is actually the energy of love. And we have found this studying people that have done like have passed on and then came back. So these Mm. stories of these near death experiences and some of them going in with like every doctor would say, there's no way they're going to live. You know, I mean, they have every ailment under the sun and they have these near-death experiences and how they came back to heal their bodies was through love. And then they started to realize, oh my gosh, if I tap into this frequency of unconditional love for myself and others, I now am attracting book deals, career extensions, you know, obviously radical health, radical relationships. And so I was studying this about five years ago. I've been implementing this and this is what I really believe has been an undercurrent of the growth of our business. I think it's been the undercurrent growth of my relationship, my health, my friendships, things like that, that really matter to me. So we're assuming that the person who's watching this right now, maybe they have been experiencing this, but haven't applied the language to it that you're using. So when we talk about a vibration or a frequency, tell me what you mean by that. Okay. Layman's terms. Yeah, easy enough. So we all know the feeling of anger. (laughs) We all know the feeling of trigger, feeling frustrated, feeling betrayed. So that's a frequency. Once those are all frequencies. So is it appropriate to say a frequency is a emotion emotion. or a feeling? Yeah, it's an emotion that 
goes through the body. So first it becomes a thought, right? The thought is that person made me mad. That person did X, Y, Z, or this happened, X, Y, Z happened. Then that thought triggers a response in the body. Some of us feel a clenching in our stomach, our throats, our chest, our shoulders, lower back. We feel this surge of emotion and we can all say we've had feelings of frustration, triggers, you know, all those things. So that's a frequency and that is also a choice. Okay. Based off the thought. Okay. So the opposite of that frequency is the frequency of love. And we all can relate to that. Whenever you're with an animal that you absolutely love and petting, yes. there's a frequency of love. When we are with our family, like I think of when I'm in circle with just my family, my daughters, my husband, and we're just having good conversation, that's a frequency of love. If you are meditating, that can be a frequency of love. You know, just sitting in a sense of stillness can be a frequency of love. Maybe you see a beautiful sunset, sunrise, someone's hugged you. Those are frequencies of love. And so the more you can get yourself inside that frequency, along with the intentions you've already set. So let's say we're just given an assignment right now. Everyone take out like a piece of paper and then just write out, let's just do five things that you would love to see in your life. You would love to witness in your life. And be clear about it. Be very clear. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's a relationship. Are these almost like goals, would you say? You could call them goals, but I don't like that word. And that's a whole different thing for me. I, sure. I, I honestly would say write it as your intention. So what would you like to witness or experience? Okay. Let's say in the next, you could do it the next week. or if, it. It, if your mind says, no, this is a year thing, write it down. Okay. And then, so that's your intention. It's already in your awareness. You've already thought of it, right? It's already there. Then what you're going to do is spend your life, honestly, your life getting into the frequency of love. And the more you can put yourself in the frequency of love, the quicker these things that you intended come into your reality. Mm. But what happens, this is the reality, especially if you have entrepreneurs here, people listening is the reality is our life is our life. And we wake up and then someone says something that triggers us. And then we get annoyed or the computer breaks down. And then we're like in a spiral or an employee does something. And then we're in a spiral. And it's like, you're bumping against this thread of attraction. So every time this is my biggest practice is, and I always say this to my team and to every friend that I have that will listen. I'm like, your frequency is more potent than your strategy. Your frequency is more potent than your strategy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Like I thought that during soul writing is like, Jeanette, watch your frequency because you know, the universe knows your intention. The new universe knows your goals or the things that you're wanting to bring into fruition in the world watch your frequency every minute of every day. And so whenever I feel the urge to get triggered or the urge to feel bad for myself or the urge to be mad or whatever that urge is, what's bringing it, I constantly go back into my breath. And then I think about something that I love, or I think about something I'm grateful for. And I try to get back into the frequency of love. Mm, I love this. This is great. Okay. So I hope that everyone heard that assignment will take it schedule right now just five minutes after you're done listening or watching us and just five minutes and whatever comes to your heart like Danette said don't worry about whether it's a year from now or five years from now it's just that thing that you want to witness or experience I love that five of them come up with five of them do it write them down write down today's date let's see what happens this is literally so exciting okay you know I talk about ADHD 
all the time. And I'm often asked, okay, where do I go to figure out if I have ADHD? And I've given you plenty of resources, but you often want to know how it was I discovered I had ADHD. And the answer is I went to the Amen Clinic, and there's one here in Southern California, but they've got locations all over the United States. Dr. Amen's clinics are devoted to figuring out, understanding the brain, not by asking questions like most doctors do, but by actually looking at the organ. Now, listen, if you're experiencing lack of focus or if you think that maybe you have ADHD, that's one reason why you want to check them out. However, if you're having moodiness or irritability or anger issues, any of these things are likely the result of something that's going on in your brain. Maybe you had an early childhood brain trauma or maybe there's just something going on genetically. And wouldn't it be nice to know? That's what I loved about going to their clinic and actually being able to see a scan of my brain and get to the root cause of what was going on by looking at this brain spect imaging. And they're one of the few places in the United States where you can have it done. And I'm really excited that they've got locations in 10 major cities. You can go and get your brain scanned and not just know if you have ADHD or whatever else is going on, but like know specifically what type of ADHD you have or why you're experiencing anxiety or why you're having depression and how to treat it. By knowing what type of ADHD I had, the Amen Clinic professionals were able to help me put together a treatment plan. And if you've ever followed me on Instagram, you've seen the before and afters of my brain scan. Like there's no denying how different my brain is today and how much healthier I am because of the plan that I followed for them. Anyways, I'm really excited to tell you guys that they have put together a discount for my listeners. This has never been done before, and I'm so excited that we've been able to work this out. You now get 10% off an evaluation when you use promo code SHALEEN10. You'll go to Amen Clinics. It's spelled like amen or amen, A-M-E-N-C-L-I-N-I-C-S, amenclinics.com forward slash SHALEEN. That's going to get you 10% off your evaluation. Don't forget to use the code SHALEEN10. You mentioned soul writing. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but, and I'm going to just use such a practical term. So I'm going to get people excited about soul writing before I tell you what it is. So I learned about soul writing right at the time Facebook lives became kind of the thing. Okay. It was like the new, the reels of the time. Oh, totally. I remember everyone was going live and like hundreds of thousands of people were showing up if anyone went live. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, not everybody was doing lives, but they wanted everyone to do lives. So I remember sitting down to do soul writing and I'll tell you exactly what it is. And I literally wrote on the page, run an ad to a Facebook live. And I was like, all right, I've committed that whatever comes up in soul writing, I'll do. So I went to my team. I'm like, I'm going to go make a smoothie, run an ad to it. And they were like, okay. So I went in my dark kitchen and made a smoothie and promoted this challenge that we were doing. And I, they ran ads to it. It was a live. And it, like for four or five years, our business 10X'd because of Facebook live ads. This was when everything blew up for us. And one, just that one thing, which there's been so many more from soul writing, like conversations with my child where she's like, how did you know that? <laughs> I'm like, came up in soul writing, you know, mm. just different things like that. Who to hire between two different people in our business. I put it to soul writing. So soul writing is, and I ideally do it in the morning, but if you're not a morning person, I'm wondering if it probably works at night too. I've learned this from different healers and in indigenous tribes about the thin veil of sunrise and sunset. 
And so for me, I get up before the sun comes up when it's dark still. And primarily everyone's still kind of doing their own thing or asleep. So I'm not disturbed, but that's the big thing is not being disturbed. You're in, you're setting the intention that you're in your own energy. You're also under the intention that you are connected to everything. And I know we talk about this on a very conscious level, but it's really recognizing that you're connected to every plant, every wisdom, every thread of intelligence that's been before is now and is coming. And knowing that you have this access greater than Google within yourself. <laughs> yourself. Yeah. And so I literally sat down, I light a fire or a candle representing transformation and I'll take out my journal. And at the top, I write, what would you have me know? And who is you? When you say, what would you have me know? Or I should well, say, who's me? And I don't want to make someone think they have to believe a certain way for this to work. For me, I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. I believe that I'm connected to every single ounce of wisdom threading through the universe. I just have to be open to listening to it. I just have to be quiet enough and humble enough and take the time to commune with it. And so for me, that's mine, but you don't have to claim my belief because I believe that we're all connected to a universal power. So just setting down and doing it, go for it. So I write, what would you have me know? And then I just write whatever comes up. There's no judgment. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it does. And it's a practice. It's like training a muscle. Like sometimes if you're not used to writing, then you're going to just sit there for a hot second and you're going to kind of question yourself. But it's the same as anything that you do, learning to ride a bike, training a muscle, learning to cook, you've got to just stay at it. And as you stay at it, you're going to start to receive information and you're going to hear things and be like, I don't know why I wrote that. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why that's coming to me. Take that and put it into practice. And so is this something that you do for a certain amount of time each day or a certain number of sentences? Or are there days where you just wake up and you don't do it? Yeah, I primarily try to do it almost every single day, whether I'm traveling or anything. It's my communion time, but I'm also a mom. Sure. And when I was doing this, my kids were even younger. So sometimes they smell you. They know you're awake for some yeah. reason and they climb into your lap in the morning. And and I just don't get hard on myself. It's like, okay, I wrote one word or I wrote one sentence or I didn't write anything and I've got a child in my lap or something came up. You give yourself that grace. I do want to say that because I think people think they have to be perfect right. at something or they're just not going to do nothing. it. Yeah. And then you get anxiety because you're like, who's going to wake up? Who's going to talk to me? Just let everything flow because everything's perfect, just how it is. So mm. it's the practice. It's the desire to commune with the higher power that allows you to hear more and more as you continue to step into it. I mean, this is really interesting. So I've got two questions. First one is, do you go back and look at like years past just to see like what has actually manifested, number one? And my number two question would be, how do you avoid turning your soul writing into just a plain old brain dump or journal? It's okay. Like I want to just say it's okay for it to be a brain dump and it's okay for it to be a journal. Like it might be like that and you're grabbing certain nuggets from it. So sometimes I start going down the path. I start with, what would you have me know? Because I'm setting the intention, but then it might lead to me going, should I hire this person? What do you think about this relationship? Is there something I need to know about my daughter? Is there something I need to know about my own health? Is there something I could be doing differently to be more honoring to myself? Like it starts to get deeper and deeper as I practice this. 
And when you say those kinds of questions, are you writing those questions? Yes, I'm writing them. Oh, it's not just statements. You can actually ask questions. Yes. Yeah. And write them. Watch the magic of the pen when you write the question. It's like writing a good question, or you can even write a really profound question, which also leads to abundance or you know, manifesting is go. If you're looking for like a partnership, let's just say someone's looking for a lover or money, you can use whatever one you want. You go, <laughs> why am I in such an amazing, romantic, passionate, kind relationship? And then see what comes from that really good question. Wow. So almost writing the question as if it's already happening, even yeah. if it isn't yet. Yes. Yes. And that's a phenomenon that I didn't come up with. I've heard about if you have a good question, your brain finds the answer. So writing the question in the affirmative of what you're desiring, your brain will look for why that's happening and you will be led to it. But it's up to you to ask the questions, up to you to write the question, and also up to you to just take time to commune with the higher power. All right. So now I'm really getting in the weeds here. But when you say to you know, write the question in an affirmative, meaning like that thing which you desire, right? So then what is it a bad practice to write something like, why am I always dating losers? <laughs> Are you oh. going to manifest more losers? <laughs> I would think that's not a great question. Okay. Like, just, let's be really honest with one another, whoever's listening, because I think a lot of us ask these type of questions. Why am I broke as a joke? Why am I overweight? Why do I always hurt? Why is my body hurting? Why do I have people that are stabbing me in the back? And it's like this, these questions, whatever you're seeking, you will find. So if you're seeking the negative, you will find the negative. What you focus on expands. So ask a better question. Why do I have great friends? And then look at that. And sometimes it might be like, you might go, well, I don't have a lot of great friends or I don't have a great lover. All right. Well, what would I need to become to have a great lover? What would need to happen within myself to have a great lover? So how is it then you make the connection between intuition and helping us find our abundance. Intuition and abundance. I love this one because I actually think this ties in with soul writing a lot because what comes up in soul writing is typically your intuition, which there's not much difference with communing with the higher power and what your intuition is saying. Mm-hmm. Right? Sounds, I, yeah. Yeah, because your intuition is the inner wisdom coming from a universal power. So is there something about the soul writing that helps you with your intuition. Yeah, because so often I think we've been conditioned to dismiss our intuition, mm-hmm. to brush it aside or to second guess it or to turn down the volume on yes. our intuition. But I agree that there's something about the neuroscience taking it from your brain where it's, you know, mm-hmm. jumping around to actually forming the letters that gives power to your intuition. So that's a really powerful tip. I love that. I want to just bring something kind of woo-woo to everyone, but it's not woo-woo because it's actually here. If you look back on anything ancient that was great, let's look at ancient Egypt, for example. Mm -hmm. Everything was written on every wall of every area of the whole temples everywhere. There's something I don't think I know. You're absolutely right around the neurological science of putting things to a wall, putting things to paper. It encodes it in your being. And that's what makes you go lean into intuition. Because a lot of people are going, how do I have more intuition? How do I know it's my intuition? This is a practice you can get into to strengthen that muscle of intuition. Danette, you've got two young girls. And, you know, I mean, I've got 
adult children now, which is kind of crazy. But <laughs> uh, and yours are a little bit younger than mine. How much of this do you hope that they're absorbing from you? Because I, I don't know about you, but when my kids were like teenagers. And I felt like everything I said and did, they were like, okay, cool. Now I'll go do the opposite. Or like, it just, they would take advice from other people, but not necessarily from mom. So what is it you would tell parents out there that they can do or don't need to do when it comes to have, being a positive influence on their kids and helping them to develop some of these habits, like your morning ritual? Yeah. You know, I have a section in the book because I think all of us want better abundance around our relationship with our children, especially for me, that's the most important thing that I feel I have in my life and the most one I treasure and cherish. So I wrote a section on it and it's called when not to fix it. (laughs) And that's the title of it because I learned a hard lesson when my kids were really young, because as parents, whenever we see pain or whenever we see an avenue which we think is going to help them, the first thing we want to do is either fix it or teach them. And we forget that we are actually, they are no different than us and they're a threat of us. So our biggest and only job is to work on ourselves and our own trauma and our own wounding within ourselves and finding our own light and finding our own voice. And as we do that, we give them permission to do the same in the way that they're going to do it. And so for me, I'm not telling them about soul writing. I'm just showing them about soul writing. And when they come to crawl in my lap, I'm not like, hey, see what I'm writing? Look what I'm doing. I just love them and they can feel it. They don't need to know what I'm doing. I think the kids are smart. Kids actually will kind of clue in. And I think your actions just speak louder than your words. And so for me, I feel like what my job is, is to continue to work on myself and to be the very best version of me and to continue to heal my past wounding and the things that were said to me. And I'm going to mess up and I'm going to do things. But I think ultimately kids really respond to that more than they do any words you say. That's huge. I think that, you know, we're, we're both in alignment there. I'm not perfect, right? But I do think the things I've done right as a mother is not doing for them, but showing them because I think even though it's a temptation, even today, it is still a temptation, even though my kids are adults, to do for them, to write that email, to make that introduction, to do whatever, because you feel like they are your responsibility, and they are, but it is our responsibility, I think, to teach them they can do it themselves. Because if we do for them, all that we're teaching them is they're not capable. And that doesn't build confidence. It doesn't allow them to experience their own journey and to trust themselves. It doesn't give them the, you know, firsthand experience that it's great to say to your kids, you can do it. And then you go do it for them. That doesn't teach them. No, you really can do it. And guess what? You might fail and you will be able to figure it out and you will survive it and you will be able to try again. So I just have to say thank you for writing this book. I want to encourage people to pick it up because I think there's something to learn, even like if you're like myself, who I believe I have an abundant mindset, but there's still areas where my subconscious is at work and it's fun to uncover those things. Danette's website can be found at the link below the show. It's DanetteMay.com. And Danette, where can people pick up the book? Yeah, well, it's out now, so you can grab it at major bookstores or Amazon. If it's easier for everyone, you can go to embraceabundancebook.com, and that also has all those different links where you can get it on Amazon or major bookstores, but yeah. Will there be an audible for it? 
Yes, there is already an Audible. Oh, there already is? Yay! I like to get the hard copy so that I can highlight things and share it with other people. But for my own purposes, I think I have to hear a message more than once. So there's rarely an Audible book that I haven't listened to two or three times. So I'm excited (laughs) to hear. And, you know, people listen to this show on podcasts. They're Audible listeners, too. So you guys can get up on Audible. It's awesome. Jeanette, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being here and helping as many people as you do. You're just awesome. Tell your husband I said hi. Love you. See you on the slopes. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Feline.